Blessings and welcome back to Pew Baby Saints, your apostolic millennial apostolic millennial podcast. I'm and I am Mike. It's been a while, that's why I'm messing up the intro. But God has been good, isn't God good? So good, he is so so good good to me. How can I let him down? So many blessings. Why are we never on the same page? Like, what is happening to us? <laughs> I totally was feeling a little Caribbean tonight, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> I just okay. thought we were going to be on the same page. That we are one of these, one of these that we're going to be on the, on the same page with each <laughs> But how is everything going? How is life? Ah, you know, that's all I got to say. So, ah. <laughs> no, not ah. <Ak. laughs> not ah, okay. <laughs> It's, you know, it's, but you know, I I can't complain. You know, God is so amazing. God is wonderful. Um, But it's, you know, it's just been, it's been a a long week at work this week. Um, Mm -hmm. Just had some other things going on outside of work that, you know, had to tie some loose ends on. But anyway, God is amazing and he's worthy to be praised from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. He is worthy to be praised. How's life for you? How is life for you? Uh, How is life for you? How is life for you? (laughs) I see you're glowing tonight. I love it. You know, I went over there and I'm already dark skinned, but I just went and got a tan and I just loved it. But anyway, I just, I've been on vacation for the past like couple of weeks and it has been a blessing just looking at people send emails and being like oh that's none of my business mm-hmm. like- <laughs> i can't wait to be in that same spot sooner or later hopefully next month i'll be on the west coast you know yes in right? my best life but yes and don't look at any emails don't let them bother you just live your life i'm gonna try not to because let me tell you something wednesday i came home and was working from home to 11 o'clock at night i was like let me shut this computer down so yeah but anyway we'll talk after (laughs) (laughs) yeah no you definitely have to rejuvenate yourself um so because i was on vacation i don't really have an opener for this week (laughs) and that's okay because i got plenty of announcements Cool. So we're going to jump into the church announcements. Yes, we are. All right. Well, oh, that men, women, boys and girls would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works unto the children of men. Praise the Lord, everyone. And as always, we greet you in that name above all names, Lord Amen. Jesus Christ. I'm good. Sorry. I was just giving glory. Oh, <laughs> I was just giving glory. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're now tuned into the Pew Babies podcast, your apostolic millennial podcast. Um, we ask that you gracefully share this podcast with a family member, co-worker, friend um, that, you know, can be this show can be a blessing to. So um, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So we're going to jump right straight into the announcements. We have a lot of announcements to catch up on, you guys. Uh, we don't want to worry your patience tonight, so we're going to just jump right in. Um, our first announcement um, says, this Kojic Bishop is not happy with Beyonce's song, Church Girls. Uh, Church of God in Christ, Bishop Patrick Wooten is known for using his pulpit for attacking others. Now, in my humble opinion, there's nothing wrong 
there's nothing more than manufactured outrage, which is nothing but a falsified righteous outrage at things that are basically unimportant and meaningless, which is frequently employed by preachers, politicians, political activists, or the media. Preachers, politicians, and talking heads use the same tactic to garner support for their causes claiming the moral high ground and to attack opponents. Now, if not mistaken, Twinkie made a whole post to tell Beyonce to thank you for listening to her music and didn't seem to be upset at all. But I digress. Did Bishop Wooten say anything when Bishop Rance Allen hooked up with Snoop Dogg for his album? I was looking for Church of God in Christ to call him out for it, but I didn't hear a peak. Like I said, manufactured outrage. And this was um, written, you know, again, by um, the blog post we use for our church announcement. So please don't think anything I read reflects the personal views of us on this show. Do you have an opinion on this? Uh, a few things. I think first, like, why was the pastor listening to Beyonce in the first place? Like, for him to know about what she was talking about? That's one. Two, she is a secular artist who's going to make secular music. I saw a TikTok and there was this girl, she like listened, well, she read the lyrics to Beyonce's thing and she was like outraged about it. But I'm just like, I, I promise you the church girls who are stepping out and listening to that song are like being like this, this song is giving me life. So I just feel like, you know, if you choose not to listen to it, don't listen to it. And there's no reason for the church to comment it. Now on the, t- the point of sampling Twinkie, <sighs> people have been sampling church songs like very often lately. There was a song by Wale that was sampling, um, I'm blessed, yeah, and I want the world to I was to just know. listening to that. Oh, my God. Yeah, Mississippi Bass Choir, shout out to them. Yeah. But the Children's Choir. But it was sampling, it was sampling, like, that church song. And it's funny because, like, it caught my attention because it was sampling the church song. And, like, do we want the world to be sampling our music? Probably not. But I will say this, that whenever they do sample gospel music, people are like, oh, what's the original song? And then they start listening to the gospel song. So I don't know what type of sample she took from Twinkie. I don't know if people know she took it from Twinkie, but if they can identify, they might. Twinkie might have a whole new following or her song might blow up as well. Who knows? So I'm sure Twinkie is grateful to have her song. (laughs) replay and remember that the clark sisters song was playing in the clubs you brought the sunshine that was a whole outrage that uh kojic had to deal with back in the day as well so it's just i don't know yeah i mean my sentiments reflect yours strongly i mean my thing was like i think it is like the article said this fake outrage a little bit um because here's the thing you spent your that that time on sunday morning speaking out against against beyonce now beyonce is a secular artist she has her bag she she knows the lane she's in and she's very much so innovative when it comes to her craft so first of all if twinkie clark and them weren't mad about it they had probably already collected their money i saw twinkie go to aruba you know like (laughs) i don't you know i don't think we should have had anything to say about that you know and so i i think you know what it was I don't think it was so much that it was sacrilegious per se. I think it was because it the song reflects sexual freedom of black women, which I, I won't get on that tonight because that's a whole nother subject for to, uh, that, that I'm just not going to get on, on this show, period. Um, because, <laughs> But I think that's what it boils down to. And it boils down to a little bit of misogyny. 
And, you know, this need for, you know, control and us men being in control and, and women shouldn't have control of their own bodies and be able to sing about it and things like that. And then, though, don't dare associate that with the church. Um, so I think, you know, at the end of the day, like that, that was a moment in the pulpit you could have used. Somebody came to your church broken. Somebody came to your church looking for a word. They would came, come to your church looking for an answer. And you took the time to speak about Beyonce. And I don't think that was the time to do it. If that's something you wanted to bring up in your, you know, Saints meeting, you know, that's not on live stream, or if you wanted to talk amongst it, you know, in the group chat, yeah, you that's that's the, you could have done that because everybody's entitled to an opinion, but on a Sunday morning when that was your opportunity to really minister to someone. I don't know that, you know, that had the same type of, um, I don't think that was the flex you think it was. So right. Um, we're going to move on. Like I said, we. Sorry, gonna- I have one last comment. Mm-hmm. I think the saints need to make a distinction between the church versus church culture. Almost every black person has experienced some form of church culture. So the term church girl just relates to someone who was dragged to church by whomever. So they understand church. They understand how church works. And that's a lot of secular artists. Aretha Franklin. Did did Beyonce grow up in church? I don't know if she did or not. I don't know her history. But a lot of artists, they did grow up in church. They have that church background. There's a lot of saints who not necessarily apostolic, but they still go clubbing. They still do whatever. And some apostolics still go clubbing, still do whatever. And that song relates to them. So like Beyonce's talking about the culture. And if you feel like a type of way about it, like I said, just don't listen to the music. Exactly. Exactly. You have every right to just hit skip. And matter of fact, you know, that's just certain territory because I'm just thinking that as a bishop, like, how did you come across that song? You know what I mean? I know, yeah, it was a lot of uproar on Facebook and social media about the song. But if you, I heard him say, I struggled to listen to it. There should have been no struggle to listen to it. You should not have been be listening, listening to, to Beyonce. It. That's what, what you get for listening to Beyonce. And now you want to preach about it. It's just like, struggle if, to listen to you know, it. You, yeah, you go to the store. You know that that alcohol over there is not right, but you you drink a little bit anyway. And then you want to preach against it, no sir. Like you knew what you was about to drink, you knew what you was about to listen to, and now you're mad because your your ear is consumed, and now you want to call for it to be denounced. Beyonce sales just went up because of you, okay? Right, you added to her success. You added I'm to so her confused. success. I promise you did. I struggled to listen to it. You added a view, sir. Anyway, don't get me started. <laughs> our next announcement says is it black christians fault that lakewood church which is our joel osteen um church attendance is down 50 percent since the pandemic just last month month the secular community was online dragging the heck out of the potter's house church of dallas texas claiming that attendance was down due to a sermon preached by bishop jake's earlier in bishop jake's earlier in the year now it's been rumored that Joel and Victoria Osteen Lakewood Church attendance is also down. It's running at a little more than 50% capacity from its pre-pandemic days. Based on the church's previous attendance, it's down about five or 6,000 congregants every Sunday. Oh, wow. Anyhow, some uh, are pointing fingers at the Black community for its poor attendance. Um, and she screenshotted a post that says on um, Facebook, looks like it's from Facebook. It's, it's because a big percentage of his church is black and the black community is still terrified of COVID. My dad's church in Atlanta is 50-50 and a huge chunk of the black members still haven't returned to 
to in-person worship. Apparently, this is quite common across our country, according to the leadership there. And I'll take it somebody white wrote this uh, comment, but they did blur the person's name. And I think it's very interesting. Um, you know, it's a very interesting concept. But I'm gonna let you start, Ron. It's interesting. It would be interesting to me to fi- find out like that 50% of his congregation was black. Like that's a significant number of people yeah. in my mind. But um, I, I don't know. I feel like some people are just not coming to church anymore because they don't want to go to church. I don't know if it's necessarily connected to COVID. I mean, we have monkey pox out now. Everybody's fearful about that and caught into that. But people are doing whatever they want right now. It's almost as if COVID didn't really exist. That's at least where I, where I am and what I'm experiencing. It's not feeling like people are still afraid of COVID. I mean, people will wear face masks, but it doesn't keep them from going out. So I think maybe it's a bigger message that needs to be looked into. Like, is there another reason why Black parishioners are not coming to the church? Maybe during COVID, they started thinking about the fact that how you reacted to George Floyd and they wanted to go back to a black church. Or maybe like there was a lot of things that happened in between that time within what we've been in COVID, like lockdown pretty much for two years. You know, there's a lot of things that happened during that time that could have affected and maybe they're going back to their local churches. Like, I don't know. I feel like certain some people are not looking for this motivational speech gospel anymore i feel like there are some people who are trying to go back to their roots i don't know so well i mean there's a lot of things there's a lot of things to consider i think you can't just blame it on black people in covid so yeah um i, I agree with you i think that you know i've you know in, in my time 2022 i don't know that I, i've maybe heard of like one or two people saying they haven't been back to church because of covid and really it's been a scapegoat um oh i don't have my shot so i i'm not ready to go back y'all go to the grocery you, you've been going to the grocery store right you've been going to the mall you've been going to those funerals those weddings just say you don't want to come out of church that's all you got to say anyway as far as this article is concerned um i think what has stood out to me was the screenshot that was posted here on this particular news site um with the person posting and saying that um her, her dad's Black uh, Congress did not return um, because they were afraid of COVID. And I can see that because probably when COVID was, when we were in the height of COVID, before there was a vaccine, before, you know, there was a lot of mandatory precautions, y'all were some of the same ones that were still having church, not masks, not social distancing. Black people were a lot more susceptible to getting it and getting them and 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 not susceptible to getting it but so much being affected by it because you know diabetes affects us and heart disease affects us and all these other things and so black people had a a right to be afraid so they saw how you handled the pandemic you didn't handle it with with seriousness matter of fact a lot of these white evangelical churches were saying covid wasn't real you know, was, you know, was making, had, had all these scare tactics and made it political. So do you really think if I'm black, you made COVID political, you didn't try to protect me. You would scrutinize me if I came in there with a mask on, try to social distance. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get a word from the Lord and you are preaching against me because I have a mask on telling me I don't have faith. 
do you really think I want to come back after the pandemic? I've, I've, I'd rather attend somebody's black storefront church and be safe there than to a, attend your evangelical church. And, you know, you weren't protecting me the whole while. And before the pandemic, it just shows me that before the pandemic, I was just another number to you. You know, I was just another, you know, uh, uh, charity case in a sense where you just want to show that you have diversity in your church. And so I think now we're seeing kind of the true colors now come out because, you know, now people have had a chance to step back and kind of see things for what they really are. Um, and then, like you said earlier, we saw how y'all handled the George Floyd thing, the, the snarky comments and stuff that you made or how you just didn't show up or how you stayed silent or how you, you know, didn't hold people accountable and, and things like that. We saw that and took a step back. So, um, very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. Um, Maybe I should take a survey like Cool JC is doing and talk to them. <laughs> Find out how you can improve. My God. My God. Mm. Um, our last announcement. I was going to examine a word this week. I don't have no word for what I'm about to announce now. Oh, gosh. All I can think about <laughs> is, is spectacle, skeptical, scandal, scam. With that being said, I would like to call to the forefront Bishop Whitehead, who speaks out after being armed, robbed, um, as, who speaks out after armed men robbed him and his wife during church. <laughs> I know we're late to the party, y'all, but I, gonna talk about it I anyway. will be remiss <laughs> if I did not if I did not, did not, did not come up here and say something about this, um, because <laughs> I, this is a mess. <laughs> a New York bishop is speaking out after the unthinkable happened. Bishop Lamar Whitehead took to Instagram Live after about three armed Black men robbed him and his wife, Asia K. Doris Whitehead. Wow. Um, during a church service caught on a live stream, in the live, Bishop Whitehead thanked churchgoers, the NYPD, and others for all their calls of concern. He explained that the men robbed him, his wife, and possibly churchgoers of $400,000 worth of valuable jewelry. Once the men exited the church, he says he ran after them. The incident has left women in church in the church traumatized. Bishop Whitehead has asked anyone with any information about the suspects to come forward. Our thoughts are with those affected. <clears throat> he calls himself the hip hop bishop. Oh. I thought that was hmm. Hezekiah Walker's name. Oh. oh. Okay. I've never heard of him. Okay. I'm going to let you go ahead. <sighs> there is so much because we have video footage. So this whole energy about chasing after them. Where was that at when you was the only man in your church on the ground? And why do we know you were the only man on your church on the ground? Because we saw that one man in the back <laughs> on the side. I don't know if he's a deacon or something wearing all black, just sitting there watching the whole thing go down. And at first I thought that was fishy. I was just like, it didn't doesn't make any sense for like him to literally sit there and watch this whole thing happen. And you're the only person panicking. Then I found out that he's a very flashy preacher. 
like carrying a lot of cash and jewelry and all this stuff on him. And that's what he's known for. So basically you gave made yourself a target because I was just like, who in their right mind in a random place in New York going to run into his ranky dang, no offense to them, but this very small storefront ranky dang church and be like, oh, I'm going to take from them. And I didn't hear anything about give me the offering. I didn't hear anything about where's the ties at. It was literally them talking to that pastor and that was it. And the pastor has acknowledged that they were talking to him and his wife. And also, I will also mention that they didn't come in there to just steal anything because at the end of the video, the mom told some child to put the iPad down. So there was still iPads in that church. So and there she was used some choice words. She did this, use some choice this. words. <laughs> it was a lot of confusion. It was like, <laughs> stay there. No, go with your mom. No, come with me. No, sit down. It was a lot of confusion. But um, she definitely used some choice words. But somebody in there had an iPad and that wasn't taken. So it's just very interesting how um this whole situation played out. I have no idea. Like it felt is giving real setup. And I, I don't think he set it up. I wouldn't think, but it's seeming like somebody set something up or somebody knew something and they targeted this pastor. Um, are you going to talk about Larry Reed? Okay. Then I will leave that for Mike, but, um, the whole situation is just, is just strange and weird. And, you know, I, it's funny because it's just another thing that I think has caused the church to be afraid of people. We talked about, we talked a few episodes back about um, whether the church needs protection, guns and weapons and stuff like that. Or I've heard people saying that like during prayer or something like that, they'll lock their church um, out of security reasons. And it's um, I think this is just another reason that causes people to be fearful about going to church and, how they operate in church. Um, but again, something ain't right about the situation. So I hope we get to the bottom of it. And Ben, whoever Ben was, because there was a name that was said. So I hope they find Ben, whoever Ben was. Find who Ben is. Um, <laughs> who is Ben? Who is Ben? That's the name of my episode, who is Ben? <laughs> who is Ben? <laughs> um... So for some strange reason, I'm friends with this pastor on Facebook. Oh, I was friends. Yeah, very interesting, right? So I, when I first heard of him getting robbed, my immediate thoughts were, "You are very loud on Facebook. Like you're, you know, you." And and I think everybody deserves nice things, right? Everybody deserves to be, mm-hmm. you know, but. You're if you're constantly flashing, you know, your you know your foreign cars and your jewelry and your designer and your labels and stuff like that, you know, at some point, you know, Facebook is a very and your stuff is on public on Facebook. At some point, you know, somebody is going to grab interest in that and say, hmm, you know. So that's what my immediate thoughts were. Was like he put, you know, kept putting this stuff out there on Facebook. Somebody, you know, he has a church. They coming to get what you know, get what they feel like belongs to them. But it started giving set up 
and set up by him and fraud when oh the armor bearer did not move during this particular um this way the armor bearer was just looking like this is another normal you know situation and then pastor lamar whitehead after doing some research has been charged with insurance fraud and with other kind of financial fraud before mm-hmm. so i you know i'm i don't want to downplay what he's been through because i couldn't imagine just being in church and somebody comes and hold me hostage but at the same time like we gotta look at like it from all angles and my thing is the publicity stunts that have followed after this has happened like the larry reed and stuff you literally went on on larry reed live and told him and genesis warren to kiss your you know what and so, you know, because they, you felt like they were laughing and all this other stuff. And, you know, it was just, it was just a lot. It was just a lot because they called it as they saw it, a fraud and fake. And like I said, I don't want to say it's fraud or fake. I just, I just want to hope that you would not lie about something like that. But again, like the signs kind of fall. And then you, you still have not ceased from, you know, continuing to be this flashy person and continuing to be this person that, you know, wants to be seen and stuff. And and my thing is like, you know, you own all this real estate in New York. Fine. Great. You know, have at it, but your church is located in a rinky dink storefront. Mm-hmm. You know, they show pictures of this storefront online. It's located in a rinky dink storefront. So, is your church just another vehicle for another amount of means of income for you, or are you really somebody that's out here trying to do the work of the Father? And so, I think that we have to explore all of that, you know. And here's the thing like, somebody said it you know we're definitely living a different day and age these these are these pastors are different (laughs) you know these churches are different (laughs) you know all of it is different because i mean i just don't know that i would you know pastoring you know if i'm a pastor and i'm pastoring a church and stuff like that like i just don't know that i would want to put myself and make myself feel above all. Like you have all of this money, you're a pastor. You know, you got all this $400,000 jewelry. And like I said, everybody like nice things. I love suits. Like I, you know, love, love suits, whatever. But if I had access to that money, do you not know what I would go in the communities and do? Mm-hmm. I would use those funds to build the kingdom. And when I say build a kingdom, not necessarily build a building and build exactly. all these edifices and build, but build yep. the kingdom of God. Let's go right. outside. Let's outreach the people. Let's feed the hungry. And he might've been doing that. He claimed to have been doing that. But you know, my thing is if you were, in, and I know you, sh- you're not, people aren't, aren't always loud with what they do for the poor, for the less fortunate, whatever. But, you know, it just seems to me that, there would have been more people backing you up when all of this happened, if that's what you were doing, then people, you know, kind of being quiet and saying, hmm, you know? And so I think you have access to that kind of money. You should have been as a leader and as a pastor should have been a little bit more, you know, noticed, you know, doing things for those that are less fortunate, giving back and things like that, because that's what churches are all about. Like, you know, making sure you help those that are in need around you. And, you know, you make sure you you feed those around you and making sure those okay, those people around you are okay. You know, we got these churches and stuff that 
you know, we sit in the hood and stuff like that, but the hood don't know us, you know, the mm-hmm. hood only know you because you drive that Lamborghini or you drive that nice foreign car, but you won't give them air if you stop, if they were stopped up in a jug. You know, you won't even, you know, take time with them to speak and hear their concerns. But you got your Louis Vuitton suit on, your Fendi suit, which is fake, by the way. Let me just say that. Um, but, but you got all of that on. You got your veneers showing. You know, I don't buy it. And I don't blame people for not wanting to subject themselves to that kind of, you know, pastoring leadership. So I think that we have to do the work into Pastor Lamar Whitehead, like, you know, I'm not saying that your story was fake. I, I, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. Not for one second. I mean, um, something's got to be up because either those uh, the people robbing you were really horrible at it. Ben was a really bad robber. Yep. Or <laughs> something. Something's not right. Like, <laughs> that's the only way because. It, what was the point? It, it was giving fraudulent. It was giving, you know, I'm going to call my insurance and cash out on this. You know, it was giving, I owe somebody some money. So let me see if I can cash out on this without using, you know, any of my assets or liquidizing any of my assets. Mm. That's what it was smelling like to me. Because again, this was a little bit too rehearsed. This scene was a little bit too rehearsed and stuff. Why would someone go on your church's live stream and rob you exactly when they know you're live when they know you're live why would they do that (laughs) what it was you paid an amateur and a rookie person to go in there and do that job and you didn't even think of and you thought that oh because it'll be on live stream people would, would believe that it's happening no, I, I don't. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's and, the dumbest. Um, they're the dumbest robbers I've ever seen in my life. The dumbest robbers <laughs> I've ever seen. Like what? And the reaction. Have like you, pre- I said, have you even pressed reaction. charges? Like have you pressed charges? Did they catch them? I don't even know if they caught them. Has Ben been caught? I don't think Ben has been caught. No, because I, ben I probably please go listen to the video because I really feel like somebody said, "Hey Ben," and Ben started running like. <laughs> Ben way. must have been a drummer at the church that they had. I like, know, that's a <laughs> Also, I was trying to follow what he was preaching about before they came in. Did you, you catch that? I didn't catch it at all. I didn't catch it at all. <laughs> this is me. But anyway, I was just trying to see what kind of word people were getting. But okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch it at all because I'm just like, whew. I'm mm, 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 mm. <laughs> tired is all I can say. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a ridiculous situation. Um, lastly, just want to take this moment um to wish our executive producer a happy birthday. Oh, happy you. 30th birthday. We thank you so much for all that you do on this show. Aww. Thank you so much for just, you know, you know, for everything that you come up with and how you work so hard behind the scenes. We hope that this birthday was truly a blessing to you. We hope that this birthday was everything you needed it to be. Um, we can't afford to pay you for the word that you put out here every week. <laughs> I did not preach, but you say 
we can't afford to pay you for the word that you put out here, but we hope that, you know, we could have given you a little something, you know, to help you on your way, you know, and to just encourage you to keep on going on and keep pressing on toward the mark of the high calling, which is in Jesus Christ. So is that um, is that what the gift card was, Mike? Is that <laughs> <laughs> I feel like at the end of the church service, the birthday service. Like, I told you, like we can't we afford can... to pay you for the word, but <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but you come out here and you rightly divide it every week. Oh so... <laughs> wow, Mike. No. <laughs> no, but happy birthday. And um, you know, we hope Thank that you, you enjoy it. Yes, yes, yes. That was all that I had for this week. I'm going to turn the service back over to Sister Ron. Yeah. Amen, amen. Um, I'm about to cry a little bit. That was so nice. Thank you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, So actually, like before I went on vacation, I was thinking about this topic. And so hopefully I... Hopefully we can have a good conversation. We'll see. So the discussion for this week is, is my living in vain? Mm. Um, (laughs) And before we jump into a bigger conversation about is my living in vain? um, In our under the influence episode, um, we were going to talk about our non-negotiables and someone who listens to the podcast, they want it to talk about what our red flags were, what our non-negotiables were. So I wanted to kind of run through what our non-negotiables are in different categories and then discuss like, why do you have this non-negotiable? And then we'll talk more about, is my living in vain? So Mike, what is a non-negotiable in a church? Like for a church, if it ha- if it has this thing or if it doesn't have this thing, like I can't do it, I can't be here. Um, probably at this point in my life, probably it's hard to say because I think on this show I've expressed to you that sometimes you know you get in these situations where it's a pick your poison type thing, mm-hmm. but I think a church without young people I can't do. Um. Because that tells me the health of your church there. It tells me that your church is 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 a dying church. Um, that there is not a lot of um there's no kind of you know succession plan, there's no kind of um on look for the future. So a church without young people is like a red flag, it's like a you know, a hard stop for me. Um, a church where well, hold on before you move on, how do you define young people? Like what is young? Oh, so young people meaning 18 to 40. That group, if that group is non-existent, is not there, mm-hmm. then that's a red flag for me. Um it's a red flag. I cause I, you know, like I said, I've always been in church and been at 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 a, at a church where there has been young people, you know, there has been, you know, a healthy amount of young people, but um, that 18 to 35 range, like once, you know, once we kind of hit there for me, it gets a little fuzzy for me um, when there's, when that piece is missing and everybody is 45, 50 and up. Um, that's, that's a red flag for me. Um, also, if there's not sound, a, 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 a sound, leadership 
meaning that I don't expect leaders to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. But I, you know, sound leadership, because I think a lot of times, like, you have to sit under leadership that's going to protect you spiritually, you know? And so if if it's not like sound leadership, it's not anybody that takes your, the needs of your soul mm-hmm. seriously or somebody that looks out for your soul properly. That's a, that's a huge red flag for me. I'm not, you know, want to be, and, and even looking out for your soul is not necessarily telling me like, Oh, you shouldn't go over there to brother Mike. Cause you know, you might, it's, you know, checking up and seeing how I'm doing, you know, just like you should check in on your pastors. Let me throw that in there. Check on, check in on your pastor, but you know, just to do like, you know, Hey, you know, I saw you, you want to try, how you doing today? Like what's going on? You know, everything like that. Or, you know, when you see me, you, we speak, you know, and all this other stuff. Those are things that's very important for me. Um, so yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think you hit, I, I want to go to some of the ones you mentioned, because I agree with them. When I was looking for a church, I was looking for a church that had young people as well. Um, your your age range is interesting to me, because I, I was thinking like kids, teenagers, but without kids in church, I really you can. you make a good point because 18 to 40, 18 to 35 are people who are adults that make a conscious decision to go back to that church. Like I'm grown now. I might be in college. I might've experienced whatever and I've come back or um, which is, which is interesting because if I'm an adult and this is a church I might've grew up in or something like that. And I don't want to stay there. Why? (laughs) So um, I thought that was interesting. Um, And I agree. A church has to have, some type of young people, some type of movement in life. I'm realizing that a lot of churches don't have particularly 30 year olds or late twenties, early thirties, our age range, as I say, millennials are missing, which I don't know. It's a bigger conversation of millennials not going back to church or where people are, but yeah. Um, for me, uh, Bible-based teaching, I do not want to listen to bad teaching like if the music is not great fine we can work on it if the singing's not good like if you practice hard enough you can get a decent song and make it sound good but if the preaching is not good I can't do it anymore I and by and when I say Bible-based, I mean Bible-based. Like if you can't point me to a scripture and expound on that word, if you never open the Bible while you're preaching, I don't want to be there. Because where are you coming from? What are you talking about? If you only pull one scripture from what we're talking about and I'm reading around it and it's not making sense in the context that we're talking about it in, I don't want to be there. I went to a service. I won't say who it was, but the man was preaching about a parable that Jesus explained himself. It was the so the seed sowing parable. And if say, instead of saying that the seed was the word, which was what Jesus said in the parable, he said that the seed are the people. And he spent a good two hours or so giving his whole opinion about the seed being the people when if you just kept reading, it tells you Jesus explained the parable himself and people got up afterwards and said, this was a good teaching. This is a good word. And I was confused. 
And I don't like that. So, <laughs> so Bible-based teaching is important for me. I really care about preaching nowadays. Like, and I've heard too many good preachers and too many good words for it to not be um, what it should be. And then I, you kind of mentioned this, Mike, but church community. Um, I want to see people talk to each other after church. I want to see saints hanging out. I want you to, it has to seem like y'all like each other. <laughs> like you said, checking in, how are you? Like the little text messages when you're missing from church and somebody being like, Hey, like, I didn't see you this Sunday. Are you okay? Just praying for you. Or if you're sick, like that was the first thing that really drew, drew me to my church. I lost my grandmother during the pandemic and I had been visiting my church. I hadn't become a member yet. And my Bishop, um, I don't even know, I guess, because I posted on Facebook about her funeral arrangements. He showed up at the funeral and he sat in the back. He didn't go to the front wall. The pastors were, he sat in the back and he stayed there long enough for when me and my family were marching out, he saw me and he waved. And that was really the extent of what he wanted to do. And the church sent me a basket and like that little thing, like it almost made me cry. Cause like, first it shows that you're a humble pastor. Cause you don't have to be acknowledged in every space. Second, I didn't tell you about anything about my family or anything like that. You barely even know me, but you recognize that I was a member of your church or I was going to your church and you found the time to come and be there. And that, it was just nice. So um, that church community is a key part. So yeah. Anything else, Mike, about church red flags? Um, no, I think you bring up a good point about sound teaching. Um, because at the age I'm at now, I don't have to hear people hoop and holler. You know, there was a time I used to fetishize that and that used to be like a thing, like, oh, you know, but the older I get, you know, I like sound word. Like you don't have to hoop, but if you know how to exegete text, if you know how to explain the scripture, if you know how to, you know, really get in there and, and get the core values of or the core of what that scripture is is talking about, then I, you know, I think for me that's that's a non-negotiable for me now, you know, because you know, whereas in your tastes change when you get older, right? Like, right. you know, when I was 21, 22 in college, like you want to look for a church that was bumping and y'all up every Sunday, jumping, sweating and, you know, hoop hollering and, you know, the choir, you know, singing down the musicians and stuff. Yeah, stuff is nice. But when you get a certain age and you really want some word to really chew on and you want some word to really, you, that stuff becomes important to you. Like, you know, people being able to really really work you know work with the text and really explain it and and be able to teach and bible study you know is is, is very important um mm -hmm. as well so somebody that really knows how to teach and really teach the word um and and teach it you know in season and out of season at it as they say so those are definitely deal breakers for me and i'm gonna say this and we might lose followers i'm so sorry <laughs> but Finding a church that believes the way you believe is important. And whatever that is, I won't go into the details about what I believe, but I'll say that it's like your church should reflect you and you shouldn't try to manipulate or change that. I think if you can't find it, there's all kinds of churches out there that believe a lot of different things. Some have head covering, some don't. Some believe in pants, some don't. I'll just leave it at that. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. But um, that's 
if it's something that you care about that should be there, it should be there. If it's something that you care about that shouldn't be there, it shouldn't be there. So like find the church that is important to you and that reflects the values that you hold. I'll just leave that there. Um, Non-negotiables and family relationships. I'll say family and friends. What will you not tolerate from family and friends? Oh, I will not tolerate um, being like, when I say ignorant, I mean being like one of those people that's just closed-minded. I can't stand that. Like, I'd rather you ask questions about a subject than for you to make a, a preconceived notion about something. Um, that's in friendships and families, whatever. Um, I that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves is like for somebody to speak on something preemptively and they loud and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's probably one of my biggest night non-negotiables. Like, you know, I'd rather you ask and say, Well, I don't know what that is. Like, could you explain or what would you like? Let's have a healthy conversation instead of you saying, like, well, no, nah, because I don't, you know, that's not what I don't. I, I just, you know, you know, or you assume, you know, and I had to have a conversation with a friend the other night. Uh, we were talking about a particular subject and they just started just saying no, because it's just, you know, this is this way. And that's why, you know, black people can't blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wait a minute, let me explain. Let me coach you on like why this is the way it is. And so, um, that's probably my biggest thing is that, and then, you know, just for me, like in, in, you know, family dynamics, um, for me, like, I, I won't tolerate like disrespect. Like I just won't like, we can be family, but I don't have to, I'm, I'm very good at disassociating myself. Cause I'm not a big family person anyway. I'll say that. Like, I'm just not, um, Unless you're my mom and dad or a couple of my aunties or, you know, uncle or look or cousin or something. I, I just I just don't because I can separate and, and I can pick up, you know, what's what. Um, mm. And so it was just like for me, um, I had a, a cousin. I'm going to say this and I don't, I don't mean to babble on. I had a cousin um, when I lived in Maryland. I was, um, I you know, studying, got my insurance license, whatever, and was kind of, you know, selling insurance at one time, you know, just. You know, I'm making extra income. And so I have reached out to a family member in the area. And the family member ignored my phone call. Hmm. And so I was like, okay. And so I text them. I was like, hey. Uh, no, he didn't ignore my phone call that time. I text them and say, hey, like, can we, you know, can I talk to you? When's a good time? I can, you know, reach out to you, blah, blah, blah. What do you want? What do you need? Mm-hmm. and I said well I just wanted to talk with you well, what do you need so he finally like calls me after like two or three days and was just asking me so I explained to him I was like hey you know I've heard that you you know sold insurance at one time you sold you know you did securities and stuff and I picked up that he thought I was calling to ask him for money or ask him you know could I borrow money because I heard that he had money I heard he had rental properties and stuff like that like no like well, anybody knows me you know, I will suffer in silence before I ask anybody for money. Like, mm-hmm. that's just what it, what it is for one. Um, for two, you know, even if you thought that was the case it, as family, whatever, like, I, 
I don't think I would ever do that to another to, you know, to another family member, you know, and right. we're very quick to say, oh, we need to get together more. Oh, we need to, you know, family needs to do this. Family needs to do that. But, you know, when I get ready to reach out to you on an individual basis, you know, is either condescending or is very, you know, like. I don't want, I don't have time to deal with you or, you know, things like that. And so for me, you know, I don't, I don't have to tolerate you. We family, but I don't have to tolerate you in my space because I know how that makes me feel. Once you turn me off like that one time, I don't, I don't deal with that. Same thing for friendships. Like once you show me like, you know, who you are and things like that, because I'm, I'm not the type of friend and you, people probably know this about me. I'm a loner. I'm a loner. <laughs> I, you know, don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not a person that, um, you know, might not be on 100 all the time. I'm always in my thoughts a whole lot. Um, so a lot of times people might, I might be somewhere. You probably know this, Ron, from you know, I'll be last telling you, you hard to read sometimes. Yeah, I'm hard <laughs> to read, but I promise you, like, but that has ruined friendships sometimes for mm-hmm. me because, like, I've been in friendships and they were like, you're so hard to read and you don't express, like, how you feel in this friendship and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I told you how I felt and you know, it's just how this is just how I am. And I think a deal breaker for me in those type of friendships and people don't understand who I am. And like, that's just like me. And I'm just a person that's just kind of like to myself. It's not that I don't want to be bothered. It's not that I don't, but I'm just a person that, you know, like I, I'm a very much so an introvert. Once that social battery, you know, drains, you know, dry, whatever, I'm kind of like, you know, I got to recharge. <laughs> I got to recharge because it's a lot sometimes like to be able to be this person. Some people can be on 100 like all the time. That's not me. Like I have to be, you know, I might be on 100 for just a couple minutes. And then after that, like I need to recharge. I need to go back to being. So for me, you know, those are deal breakers or one sided friendships and stuff. Those are deal breakers for me or, you know, people that are messy or, you know, every time you turn around this, you know, you're in somebody's business and you don't know how to shut up, you know, and stuff like that. Like those are deal breakers for me. Because uh, like my mom and dad say all the time, if a dog will carry a bone, he'll, he'll if a dog will bring a bone, he'll carry one. And so, you know, who's to say that you're not going to tell my business and put my business out there? So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I got a few non-negotiables. Sorry, y'all, for going so long. <laughs> no, that was good. Because um, I don't think people think about it, like, really in this context of, like, well, really, what will I not to- tolerate? And like, it's funny because it took me a little while to think about, especially for family and friends, because I feel like I'm willing to sacrifice my whole life. <laughs> and I, I didn't really have boundaries for family and friends until more recently. Um, but two things, and you kind of mentioned these a little bit. One of them is like, as my family, as my friend, I would expect you to know my character. And when you know my character, I would expect that certain things can happen or be said about me that you just won't believe or you'll investigate a little bit more. Um, And so I think um, a red flag for me or a non-negotiable is when family or friends accuse me of things that they know don't fit my character. Or instead of asking good questions, I shouldn't even say asking good questions, instead of asking me about it, they automatically assume and jump to conclusions about 
whatever. Like, why aren't you taking my side? <laughs> I just put it blatantly like that. Um, because I know for myself, because of my family and because of how close we are, if somebody was to come to me with anything about my family members, um, particularly if I know their character, I can vouch for their character and I would immediately be dismissive <laughs> if I know what fits their character. Some of them have bad characters. Not everybody in my family is a great person. <laughs> so, so in that vein, I'll be like, yeah, no, absolutely. Like I could right. see that. But right. there's certain people that are like, no, there's no way I could see that happening. And so you won't get a rise out of me or I won't. And even if it was the case that my family member was a bad person, I think because of our closeness, I wouldn't come to them in an accusatory way. And so I hope that um, when you develop relationships with people, people really consider somebody's character and how they deal with them. Um, Because character doesn't change. Character is who you are. So like, we should be able to trust that. That's my thing. The other thing is um, I realized at the end of the pandemic that I suffer from this thing called hero syndrome. I like to save people. I like to rescue people. I like to be a fixer upper. Um, whenever somebody is in a crisis, the first thing I'll do is be like, what do you need? How can I help? Um, people might not ask me for help and I'll actively try to read between lines or insert myself to fix their situations. And it's a problem that I have. And it's something that I need to not do because, um, I really quickly found, like I said, that everybody that is my family or friend is, doesn't have good character. (laughs) Our character that I necessarily uh, appreciate, and I have been used by um, people countlessly, <laughs> um, and to the point where sometimes it's kind of hurtful. Um, and like you were saying about your cousin, I don't know what his situation is, but I can say from a perspective of someone who might be like that cousin. When you have four or five people in a day who come to you and say, "Hey, I need, I need, I need." especially out of nowhere. I never heard from you for years. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you're a lawyer, right? You know, those type of things is like, Oh, I know what you're here for. And I'm sorry that your cousin reacted that way. Um, but I also understand from being that person that sometimes you get frustrated and annoyed, (laughs) like, because it might not, that might not have been the phone call, you know what I mean? But you automatically, it's like a trauma, like, because I'm so used to random people calling me and being like, hey, like, can you give me like five dollars because I can't eat today? Like, you just feel like every time somebody calls me, they're going to ask me for something. I become the automatic ATM or whatever for my family. I'm Terry from Soul Food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like that. And so mm-hmm. you create this you create this like trauma or I shouldn't even say this trauma, but you start reacting to people like that. When that might not even be the case, it could be something as simple as, hey, like, I just want to get started in a business. Where do you think I could start? And that's the easy answer. That's the easy fix. But yeah, so um, but that's why I put start putting red flags like I'm red. I'm flagging people on usury like I don't mind helping somebody out the first time, but second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth time. No, like I, I have to put my foot down somewhere. I have to create a boundary somewhere. And like I said, understanding people's character um, is important. So, yeah. Anyway, what about your non-negotiables in dating or courting? 
I haven't been on a date since like 1994. Um, Shut up, Mike. <laughs> 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 like, that don't even make Why are you dating at two or three or four years old? Where were you born? 1990, 1991? 91. Uh, just, <laughs> I'm just trying to make concepts of how long it's been since I've been on a date. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just, I mean, because like, I mean that changes like the older you get because it's like you know <laughs> I guess I probably could tolerate that because you know I'm still single uh, <laughs> <laughs> right um I, I guess for me like the <sighs> we've had this conversation before like the person for me a non-negotiable like you have to believe how I believe for one like mm-hmm. You gotta believe how I believe. Like I'm, and we have this conversation countless times. I'm not even gonna like just even get back into it, but I'm not here to coach you into you know the plan of salvation and to right. help you see like your need for Christ and to tell you why. You know, I'm just not here for that. So believe how I believe is a non-negotiable. Like you don't necessarily have to believe in like hair coverings. Like you don't necessarily have to believe like. I mean, I, I don't even hardly believe in head coverings myself. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, like if, you know, let's just say, yes. uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, let's say I did not believe in women preachers, which I, I do, you know, I don't mind women preachers, but you, okay, well, let's say I believe in women preachers, you don't. That's a good example. Like, that's not going to be like a deal breaker for me. It would be a deal breaker on stuff like the baptism. <laughs> It would be a deal breaker on stuff like, you know, speak, you know, do, you know, do you believe that you have to, because some people don't believe that she's speaking songs at the Holy Ghost, but those would be like deal breakers for me too. Another deal breaker for me is just, you know, like how another deal breaker for me is just how like you, um, it's kind of like your, your temperament, whatever. Um, because I'm not a confrontational person. I'm, I'm not like, I'm not a person to, um, I just don't, before I, I argue with you, I'm going to just let it go. Like, I'm like, cool. Like, you know what? You can have it, you know, cause I'm, I'm just not that person. And if I am going back and forth with you it's because you have pushed me to go there because I'm, you know, my thing is I'm always a person like, well, let's try to figure this out first. Okay. So let's go back, troubleshoot what went wrong here. You know, like maybe, you know, I did, you didn't, I didn't communicate that well. I probably could have communicated that. But if I'm arguing with you to a point we haven't shouting matches, it's probably because you have like pushed me there. And I just don't like to be taken there because for me, like once I'm taken there, like I don't see your tears. I don't see anything like whatever is coming out is coming out. And so like, I just be able to be like, okay, like let's speak, see, let's talk about it. So just somebody that understands that, uh, somebody that understands me, like, Again, I'm a person that, you know, when I want to be left alone, I want to be left alone. Like, and I think, and, and I have only child syndrome. And so if you don't understand that, oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's, it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. You know, I'm just thinking about the last relationship I was in about three, four years ago. You know, like I don't, and, and again, and this is probably a problem for a lot of people, like, right. Like problem for a lot of women where, I don't, you don't have to be up under me all the time. Mm-hmm. You just don't. 
you know, like, you know, it's cool, but I, I promise you don't. Like, I would be okay, and we've had this conversation before, living in two separate houses and being married, because... I feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I know me, like, I get in my mood sometimes where I just want to, like, just be left to chill, whatever. I don't necessarily want to be... You know, like want to be bothered like a lot, like just just, you know, let me be. And my my dad's, you know, I guess I shouldn't use swears up and down. He's like, well, you've always been like that since you was a baby. You just did not want to be bothered. And so that's how I am now. Like, so it's just like for me, somebody that does not understand that that's a deal breaker, because if you don't understand that now, you're going to assume that it's something you've done. And then when you assume it's something you've done, that's going to lead to other issues, because then it's going to be like, well, what do I do now? You haven't done anything. I just I'm, I'm just I just want to be to myself. I just want to enjoy my space, enjoy this moment, um, be able to enjoy my space like where it is. And, you know, so. That's probably, you know, for me. And then I'm trying to think any other deal breakers for me. Um, I don't have any other deal breakers because, you know, I'm still single at 31. So I, I probably shouldn't have many deal breakers, you know. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you on that. Yeah. Being 30 put life in perspective. I was like, dang. I don't know. But anyway. Um, my non-negotiables, my non-compromises for dating recording. I I feel like they're fairly they're fairly easy and it's fairly short list. Like you said, like absolutely, like relationship with God, Christ. Like I I don't want to have a baby Christian. Like I just I don't. <laughs> There's some people like it's fine if we're learning, you know what I mean? Like we both are learning. That's cool. But if like you don't fully know like what what you believe or you're not like. If you're confused about speaking in tongues or getting the Holy Ghost or something (laughs) like that, just the foundational stuff, then I don't. That would be really hard for me. And so now. Uh, but just genuinely wanting somebody who loves God and care and wants a relationship with Christ, I think it's very hard, especially being a woman in apostolic faith, faith. And we talked about this, that it's like five to one <laughs> as far as the male to fe- the female to male ratio. So um, as soon as a guy comes into the church, like women's head are, heads are turning and they're already thinking like, Oh, how can I get him? Which is just crazy anyway. But, um, yeah, I would prefer to have somebody a little bit more mature or at least passionate about the relationship with Christ. Um, two, I don't want to be hit or cheated on. I guess that's two and three. Um, you were talking about how you get when you're angry. I, like, and I think we talked about this on the show. Like I, I'm not the volcano type when I'm upset, I have to immediately talk about it and get it out. And once it's out, I release, (laughs) I say what I need to say. And a lot of times I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say it in the best way that's calm as possible. And then once it's out, then I can go about my business and you'll never hear from me again about that because I feel like it's, it's done. So, um, um, having people who are volcanoes who like blow up and explode 
it can be very scary. (laughs) And like, I think seeing somebody who's super angry would also like, I don't know, but all that, and that's fine. Look, this is my thing. My dad, they, they believed in in Proverbs when it's talked about when you are angry, you go to the rooftop or like whenever my dad was angry, he would go for a drive. Like you can hit walls, you can go for a drive, yeah. like whatever. Don't put your hands on nobody, but don't touch nobody. And that don't goes for male and nobody. female. Women You're don't not. hit the men either, because that is provoking. Because <laughs> I could not, I would honestly, I would be upset if I found out that a girl was hitting my brothers. So, um, and I'll drive there personally. <laughs> so, so I don't want like let's just not be physical in that moment <laughs> when we're upset. And I mean, you make a great point because I mean it is like, and a lot of times, and I know for me, like, and that's something I'm working on is like because sometimes like I fear that if I communicate what I'm feeling, it'll be perceived wrong, and if it's perceived wrong, then it starts a whole other issue. Just because I've been there before, mm-hmm. so a lot of times like. I found myself apologizing for things that I should not be apologizing for Um, or, you know, things that are not my fault just to avoid like, okay, being in this space where I'm angry, but I'm learning to like properly communicate, you know, so that it, you know, all around avoids any kind of um, what's the word, any kind of friction. So. Right. And like one thing I'm learning now is like, I, I tend to overthink anyway. Like, I'm going to think about something like 20 times before it comes out of my mouth sometimes, most of the time. And so if you, to me, if you're a person who uses good judgment, go with your gut and just do what you would normally do. And like go with no regrets. Cause I feel like a lot of times we put stuff out there and then, like you said, we apologize for it and pull it back. And then people don't take it seriously when we say it, but no, I said it and I meant it. <laughs> And like, I need you to get that. I need you to get that. I said it, I meant it. And, you know, and like, so that and it's different where you're like, well, I hated you this whole time. Like when you're saying stuff like that, then obviously like you got to pull back. But if it's like, look, like you put something in the refrigerator and it wasn't covered and now we got mold in the refrigerator. I wish you would stop doing that. You know, I I don't think there's anything wrong with expressing how you feel. And not being like, well, I shouldn't have said it that way. No, I said it in a way that I hope that you would understand that I really mean that. And I hope you'd like take what I said seriously, even though it's something so stupid as covering something in the refrigerator. It's something I care about. So, yes, that is also it's not a deal breaker, but please stop putting stuff in the refrigerator without coverage. It's disgusting. (laughs) Somebody needed to hear that. (laughs) That's why it was said. But anyway, um, but yeah, like no hitting. And again, I don't want to be cheated on. I like, I know we live in a society where cheating is regular. I was actually told by somebody that I should expect to be cheated on if I get married. And I was like, Woo, what? It's an expectation that I should have as a woman for my husband to not be faithful to me. Man, but I is so low for us, for us men. Like, right. <laughs> but I'm expected to submit to that regardless. And I just, um, like I said, that's a deal breaker. Like, I don't think we can recover from cheating in, in my perspective. Some people can, you know, whatever. Right. But you know, I, I personally cannot. So, <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Cause it's just, 
What, Mike? Go ahead. Speak freely. Uh, no, no, because I agree with you. It's, it's just that, like, I have nothing to do with nobody does in their marriage because I'm, I'm not married, whatever. But it's always interesting to me. I, I hear people make these statements like, oh, yeah, you always want to give up on your marriage and stuff like that. Yeah, I do if they cheat him because obviously they didn't want me. You know, obviously they did not think of me enough to want me. So, yeah, I'm giving up on it. You know, yeah, I'm giving up on this relationship. Oh, oh, you want to give up on your relationship just because something like that? No, that's not one of the things that's going that we go through to make us stronger. It's not. No. You stepping out, cheating and not having self-control is not something that's going to make us stronger in this relationship. Um, And, and it's a conscious choice. It is. And if, and if something has changed, and like, I'm I honestly, like, obviously we're not in a relationship. Like I'm not married. I have no idea, but let's say it's something like you got fat and I'm not attracted to you anymore. There's a way to say, look, babe, you're not taking care of yourself like you used to. And I wish you would rather than going out and just cheating on me. <laughs> Cause now, not only am I fat, but now I feel like trash. And now I have to deal with the fact that you are with like was with somebody else and I have to get over that. You know, like it's it becomes like a something that could have been like a simple like just statement that we could have worked together to work out or something like that. It could have been something so simple. And now I have this trauma built up where every time I gain a little weight or every time I eat a cookie or ice cream late at night, now I feel like, oh, my, my man's going to go cheat on me. Like that's, it's traumatizing. You know, it's very traumatizing. Like it's very traumatizing. And yeah. So if you don't want me, just leave me alone. <laughs> Cause if you're going to cheat, I'm leaving and I'm going to be happy being by myself because I have peace while I'm in my state that I'm in right now. Uh, and listen, speaking of peace, like people, and this is, we're not making this a relationship episode. No, we're but not. Speaking of peace, like people love their peace. So don't come in there and destroy nobody's peace. Because I know me, I, I love my peace. Like having peace of mind is everything. To be able to go and just turn on TV and eat me a cup of Italian ice and not worry about anything are things that just money can't buy you know, and, and anything else. So, you know, having peace of mind and just being able to, and, and not having, cause I've been in, in spaces where, you know, and I want to say this without incriminating anyone, Oop. we might need to cut <laughs> this part out, but um, I've been in spaces where, you know, like I'm constantly checking my phone, like if I'm hanging out with a group of friends or because, you know, the other party might be insecure. Mm-hmm. or I'm constantly like check if I'm talking to like a, a a friend like from school or talking to you know a family member or whatever constantly you know like checking the time because that person's gonna feel like oh you know I didn't call them back fast enough and it's insecurity so again like before I deal with all that I would deal with myself because I can have fun by my I would go out to eat by myself I will go to the movies by myself. I will even travel by myself and have the most amazing time ever. Yeah. Giving people space is so necessary. Like you don't, I I completely agree with what you said about not having to be on top of each other. Now, like I could see like, if you want some time together or something like, you know, talk about it. But like you said, I'm perfectly fine. (laughs) 
I hate to say it. I was talking to some friends the other day. I'm perfectly fine with us having two separate rooms. <laughs> like, and we just, I just need a place to go because I'm also an introvert. And as soon as it comes a time, I just got to get away. But anyway, moving on from that. Oh, the last deal breaker that I have. Sorry, I have four. So relationship with Christ, no cheating, no hitting. And the last one is I just want somebody who believes what I believe. Like, and I'm a, this is the superficial stuff. I'm, we can't fully encompass everything, but as a woman who has to be led by a man, right? Um, I, for instance, let's say there was like a really bad preaching that was happening or somebody said something crazy over the pulpit. I want to be able to sit in church. The thing that is said, look at my husband. No, he's already looking at me. We give a head nod and we meet and then the vest to be ready to go. Keys in hand. Like, (laughs) like I want us to be on the same page when it comes to stuff like that. It shouldn't be where something is done or said, and I'm looking at him and he's like, yeah, preach. We're not on the same page at that point. And so like there, there are certain things and for whoever I plan to talk to, we will have discussions about those things, but there are certain things that are, I should say church deal breakers that I would have to discuss further with someone. Um, and hopefully it'll be on the same page. You don't have to believe the same way I believe, but I just hope that you know what I believe <laughs> so that when the situation comes, um, we can both address it. So I did want us to end our time with talking about is my living in vain. And so one um, thing that I've been kind of struggling with is um, why why do we do this? <laughs> Sometimes living holy can be tiring. Um, I think for myself, like trying to be the person who is not judgmental, does not get angry fast, that holds their tongue. Sometimes I hate to say it, saints, but sometimes, especially since I'm turning 30, I'm like, maybe I should have had a whole stage. So like <laughs> certain things where you're kind of like, I feel like I'm missing out and I'm doing this because I want to be holy and I want to live righteous for Christ. But then it's just like, but I see other people do whatever they want to do. And I can't. (laughs) And they get grace. And. But for some reason, I can't get myself to do that. So anyway, I want us to have a quick conversation about that. Like, um, have you ever felt like your Christian walk? was kind of like monotonous or hard to an extent. And you just kind of was like, I'm tired (laughs) of being holy. Yeah. um, I've definitely, yeah, I've definitely felt that um, a couple of times. Like um, for me, like I remember living like in D.C., Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to be at brunch on Sunday morning sometimes rather than church. Um, I, you know, I wanted to be, you know, just, you know, having fun and not, I, I have fun. Don't, let me not say that, but I wanted to sometimes like, maybe I don't go to watch night services. I just go to a, 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 a formal party, you know, and you know go to a masquerade ball or something like that on new year's eve like those are the kind of things where it's like hmm. but you know i just feel bad if i don't go to church um but that i mean you even like now you know i start to feel like feel that sometimes because you know like for me like 
and I guess that's why they say like be not unequally yoked with you know even in friendships um because even with like friends that I have that are might not be of the same um might not be of the same spiritual persuasion like you know you start to see them and and sometimes for me I don't know if you felt like this Rhonda maybe maybe you have maybe you have not um I almost feel like with my friends, like I'm the boring friend mm-hmm. and I want to be the fun friend sometimes. Like, but I notice like my friend, they spend more time with the friends that drink, smoke weed and do other things. And I'm like, but when I ask you to hang out, like you either like you got something to do or you don't. But I also realize I'm probably the boring friend because we we're not going to probably drink or smoke or turn up i know matter of fact no probably we're not (laughs) so uh so it's just like one of those things where sometimes for me it's like maybe i need to just let my hair down and you know maybe i you know i could probably stand to you know take a few sips back what's that gonna hurt nope you know that's not gonna but i just start you know but then you start to realize like is it really worth like you compromising on that or is it really worth you know, because while you might be the boring friend, they're also watching as well and watching mm-hmm. to see because they want an excuse to be able to say, nah, Micah ain't, ain't all he's cracked up to be. You know, Micah ain't, you know. So that's where for me it starts to become because I just like for me, like I said, I've I've always been in this space where I'm probably the boring friend. I'm the friend nobody probably wants to hang out with because they know Micah ain't going ain't gonna to turn up. Micah ain't going to, you know, we're not going to really be able to turn let our hair down around my and that's when I'm kind of like well maybe I just need to start you know when I do go around or come around whatever you know I, I could have a glass or two you know I, I could yeah. you know but like it's just not what about you yeah so I think when I was younger it started off with it started off out of fear like if I I was one of those like kids in my mind that like, if I kiss a guy, I'm gonna get pregnant. Like it didn't even make oh, sense. God. Like stuff like that. <laughs> or like, if I, if I go to the movie theater, it's going to get shot up. Like just because I'm the one who is there and God's going to have quick judgment on me. And like, probably that would be the case. Like, <laughs> you know, there's always that one church girl, that church story that you have where the, ch- or a parent shares it with you where, you know, this saint went and did this. And next thing you know, like they never made it back. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason why I don't listen to R&B music in my car like that. Like I just started listening. So I shouldn't have said it on this show. Oh my God. <laughs> But I would not listen. Like I got, I have on because I like all, I like all kinds of music. But yeah, like you know. But like I would like for a long time, I would never like turn on like uh, what I got, Keon Dixon in my phone or you know whoever else I'm listening to, Avery Wilson in my in my in my car because like I'm like Lord, that man be the time the Lord might you know decide to you know let me have an accident and I die. And that's what's playing, you know, like, right. And I think that's the thing, right? You create these like ridiculous rules that in your own mind, like in this car, I can't listen to it. But, you know, while I'm at home, I'm okay with listening to whatever, you know, like it's like all of a sudden these random rules that you create that just like don't mean nothing. It's just stupid, actually. (laughs) But yeah, I started off that way of like in fear, not doing things. And then as I grew up, I, th- I feel like now, like certain things are just part of my character. Like I just can't 
get myself to do it. Like, I, like in my mind, like, I'm like, dang, I, I want to be a ratchet girl so bad. I was like, I'm going to have a hot girl summer. Like, I'm gonna, and it just, I can't, it's going to be a holy girl summer regardless. Like certain things I just, I can't bring myself to do. Cause I just feel like it would be such a compromise on myself. And it's like, I've waited this long. So why? Um, and that's what really brought me to it. Cause it's just like, I created these rules from when I was a child. And now that I'm older, I'm like, I can't do it. And I'm like, well, why? <laughs> and sometimes you have this moment where you're kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's, it's definitely like the devil kind of like, like with Job's wife, who's like, just curse God and die. Like, just, just be like, just do what you want to do and just repent for it later. Like that's, it's hit my mind a couple of times. It was just like, just do what you want and then repent and it'll be yeah, okay. Yeah. And that's what people I mean, do. but, and I heard a preacher say this years ago. Now we had a, um, I was in high school. We had like a youth, youth council or something. Mm-hmm. He said a lot of people think that. He said a lot of people think, yo, I'm going to just run up here and do what I want to. And I can run to the altar and repent. He's like, but what if you never make it back to the altar? You know, right. You- you know, you don't ever know. And so a lot of times I think that's where and, and the day, the more dangerous part for me now that I've gotten older and taken a look, I'm so afraid of God turning me over to a reprobate, you know, mind in those right. situations where, you know, you can become so caught up out there that you become numb to what you're doing. Because I've seen that happen to people. And there's a lot of people I see that's happened to. They don't even know that they're a reprobate. They because but and how I know they are because they are very numb. It's like second nature to them for them to do some of the things that you do, because. My thing is this, like, I know saints have different beliefs on, you know, drinking, whatever. And we know what the Bible says about drunkenness, you know. So, you know, I know that there are saints that believe there's nothing wrong with taking a sip or two. And that's fine, you know. But when you're constantly drunk, whatever, or, you know, constantly, you know, overdoing this, doing that, and you see no wrong and you could just shake yourself off and go lead praise and worship in the morning, or you can go and, and, and there's other things that I've, I've seen. And, you know, you'd be like, how are you comfortable, you know, doing that? You'll go lead praise and worship in the morning. You'll go direct the choir. You'll go read the scripture. Go on a convocation and sleeping with somebody. And then you had a convocation speaking with somebody, you know, sleeping with somebody, but then you, you know, you're going to preach on the platform service in the morning. It's just, it's, it's much, it's much. And it's so much. it's much. So I just, you know, so I would be scared that I'd be turned around, but where I just become numb. And that's a bit, a very dangerous place to be in is where you, you are so desensitized to sin. You're so desensitized to, you know, what it is you're out here doing that it's stuff don't even bother. You don't even repent for it anymore because that's the part of who you are now. That's a part of like what of what you do and so i think that's probably the biggest thing that i become you know afraid of and so because even like i've i've you know been in high school doing stuff that i knew i wasn't supposed to be doing i was like Mm -hmm. lord like please don't let me get in an accident or i remember one time maybe we'll cut this out of the show i just got a car right yeah and i went somewhere i know i had no business going had no business going well, I was driving and my car, the train, so the train was coming. So the little thing on the trains were coming down and the rail got stuck on my car. No. Oh my God. Yeah. So I pressed the gas. I left a scratch on the back of my car or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I kept driving because the only other thing I was going to do is get out the car and right. just 
Yeah. But it like thankfully I pressed the gas, whatever. But I was like, that was probably the Lord punishing me for going this place I had no business going, and you know, and blah 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 blah. So, but you know, at the end of the day, I think you know sometimes like God gives us free will. You know, He mm-hmm. gives us free will to make those decisions. Um, and he knows I ending before, you know, our beginning, like he knows, you know, everything about us. And so it's just like one of those things where I think sometimes we grow up in this sense of fear sometimes, but we have to also to be spiritually mature enough to know what choices make most sense, you know? So, yeah. I Like speaking of getting caught, <laughs> Because the reason why I had such fear is because I would get caught quickly on the little things. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think there's a scripture that talks about being chastised because God loves those who chastise or something like that. And like, if I stayed out a little bit past curfew, like all of a sudden, or let's say I, I did something, I, I think I, I mentioned this on a podcast before, like I we weren't supposed to go to the fair I took the car. I said I was going to hang out at a friend's house. I went, picked up the friend, drove <laughs> 20 minutes, <laughs> drove 20 or 30 minutes to the fair. We hung out at the fair. I was able to get them back home, drop them off. And I was going to make curfew. And like nobody would have been none the wiser, like whatever. And then I had to get gas and because my car, was the car that I had borrowed was about to run out of gas. So I put, and I didn't want them to know how far I had driven. Cause like I had, by that time I had drove like an hour and some odd. (laughs) And so like, I tried to put the gas in and my card wasn't working and like, I could not get gas in this car. And like, I was just like freaking out. And then by the time I was able to get gas, I ended up being late for curfew. So I got in trouble for being late for curfew. If my parents are listening, they probably still don't know that I took those people to the fair. We went to the fair that day, Saint. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I took them to the fair. But like, even though they didn't know all of that, I still got in trouble for being late. And like, it was kind of like, dang, like I like you get caught over these small things. And like, it's it's it keeps you from doing the bigger things. And like, I was frustrated about this topic. And then we went on vacation, actually. Oh, you guys, we were in Hawaii and we went to Hawaii church. And um, so I hope this will help somebody because it helped me a little bit in this vein. He was preaching about from the book of Ruth. And as soon as he started talking, I was like, are we going to talk about uh, what's his name? Ruth and that man. Who's the man? Is it Bo? Boaz. Yes. I was like, oh, gosh, like I'm tired. But like he took a different perspective and he was talking about Naomi. And Naomi grew up in Bethlehem, Judah. She was an Israelite. And her and her husband, because of a famine, they decided to go to where the Moabites were. They left the church to go to the Moabites in a time of famine. So, um, and he was saying, don't let famine or drought or something in your life make you go to the Moabites. And they were supposed to only sojourn. That's what the scripture says, that they sojourn there. But they end up staying in uh, with the Moabites for 10 years. And their kids married into the Moabites. And then Naomi, we know the story. She lost her husband and she lost her two sons. And now she's stuck with these daughter-in-laws <laughs> who are both Moabites. And when Naomi came back 
to her country when she came back to Bethlehem Judah, when she came back to the church, um, they were like, is that Naomi? They couldn't even recognize her. And then they said, and she, Naomi said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, call me bitter. And he was saying that Naomi used to mean pleasant. Naomi meant pleasant. She had a pleasant life. She was living pleasantly and she came back bitter. And he said that um, leaving the church will only make you feel better when you come back. And that was something to hear that was good. But then he said something even more important. And he said, the church shouldn't change because we need people who are going to embrace the Naomi's, the bitter Naomi's that are coming back. And then we also need people who are going to embrace the roofs. And I thought about it and I realized every decision I made to stay with Christ, I've just propelled and like my life has been great. And I like I, I can't tell you what the alternative is because I haven't done the alternative. But when I look at my life as somebody who stayed in church and like held on and didn't do what I wanted to do, <laughs> like things have just end up really well for me. And it's just like, how much further would we be if we just continue to walk? So the question of is my living in vain, I guess it, in one sense, it's hard to say because you'll never know what the alternative is, but the living that I have has been great. (laughs) So like, I I don't know, I can't see my life getting, being even better if I had done what I wanted to do. So, um, and it's, I think one of the best choices I made at 13 was giving my life over to Christ and huh? So yes, 13 years old. Yes, 13. And then like, even though I haven't been done everything correctly, staying at least consistent, you know, like has just continued to make your life better. And there is going to be people who are going to come to church looking for us or they need to see you, you know, like maybe it does feel like, why am I doing this? But so, like you said, Mike, we are encouragement to another person. Like, because I see you, because I see your light shining, because I see how God has worked in your life, that is going to make me realize I need to come back home. Like, sometimes you are the home that people need to see. Like, as the church, it's not just the building, it's the people. Wow, I never thought of it like that. Like, I think that was helpful for me hearing him preach that because I was like, okay, is my living in vain? Maybe to me, it might be vain, but for someone else, like my consistency (laughs) is making people better. And it's funny because I follow these, these women, um, on Facebook that work out. And this one lady, she's this really big lady, but every day she was posting of her working out and maybe some, like sometimes she's dancing. She might not be doing a lot, but she's doing something. And it's crazy because I've seen her post almost every day. And then you see her now from when she began and you're like, dang, she looks so good. And it's like, dang, I want to be looking good like that. Like, I mean, she's still like, she's still chunky or whatever, but you could just see like that she, the workout is helping. And it's like, you know, sometimes being in church can be monotonous. Sometimes it feels like brushing your teeth or taking a shower. And it's like, why? Some people question, like, why do I have to take a bath every day? You know, those celebrities, Ashton Kutcher and his wife, Mila Kunis. Oh, yeah. They not take you know, a take bath every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, we should be taking baths. We need to conserve water. There's a reason why you need to take a bath every day. You need to clean your body. <laughs> like, clean your there's. Body people. <laughs> 
there's a reason why you need to brush your teeth every day. So that way you don't have to get veneers <laughs> because if you just take care of what you have and you do it every day, you don't have to do it long. You just got to do it enough, hit those spots and then you'll continue. But, and the thing about it is that when we know the difference, when you don't take a bath every day, we know the difference when you don't brush every day. And I will say that's the same thing for living a life for Christ. People know the difference when you don't live your life for Christ every day. They do. They it's do. an immediate change. You immediately stink <laughs> when you don't take a bath. You do. You, you really look do. oily. <laughs> smell like uh, sin. You smell exactly. You immediately smell like sin. <laughs> so I don't know. That's my thoughts. Mike, is your living in vain? What would you say to someone if they asked you? No, it's it's not in vain. Um, and and sometimes. I think it goes back to our conversation earlier. Um, no, my name is not in vain because like you, like I've seen what the Lord has done for my life and what he has done in my life and through my life and how he has continued to, you know, how he has continued to just, you know, be good and, and fulfill his word in my life, fulfill those promises. So, uh, I would say no, my my living is not in vain at all. But sometimes it does just get rough, yeah. Um, because being in in my thirties and you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm a single man, but I'm dedicated to the church. Here I am, like always, you know, doing you know work for the church, and I could be out here just living my best life, like just out here, just, you know, doing, you know, doing me and not necessarily in sin, but just out here, just, you know, making time for me, you know, me time, whatever, like, you know, here I am, you know, I'm, I'm, we're I'm constantly trying to help do this, help do that. You know, I could be taking this time out for myself because, you know, my, tw- my twenties, age 22 to 26, I spent a lot of time like in church and sacrificing and sacrificing going to the homecoming because we had Friday night service and nobody showed up to, or, um, you know, so it's just all of these different little factors that you think about. And you'd be like, I'm in my thirties now. Like I want to enjoy, but also I'm looking at a bigger picture because I do believe that God has something in store for me that he's preparing me for and that he is shaping me for and that he is crushing me for. Um, I don't know what that is, but it's, it's something bigger. And what I would not dare do is set myself up for failure by setting myself back and be, becoming further away from where he will have me to be and what he wants me to do. You know, I don't know what that might be, but I just know right now, like I'm not at a place where I want to, you know, step further back from that and continue to go in circles. Um, because I think we've had a conversation on this podcast before. I am the person that has questioned, like, why haven't I gotten further in God, or why haven't I gotten further in in my walk? Like, I I I just feel like I'm so behind everybody else's, and yeah. you know, like we can't compare ourselves, right? Because spiritual insecurity is real. Um, but I think that you know, there's a lot that God wants to do through us. Um, that He wants to that he wants to manifest in us but it's all according to you know his will and it's all according to how we are positioning ourselves and if we're continuing to position ourselves backwards it's harder for him because god let me tell you god is such a gentleman 
he is such a gentleman. So if you keep pushing back, he's not going to put bring you or pull you forward. You know, um, you have to make that conscious decision to continue to either press forward to his will or stay backwards. And if you do, you know, he'll wait for you. But is he going to force you to do anything you want to do? No, he's not. Um, so, yeah. I think that is really good. Like I wrote down a couple of points. The first one is just the the point that like I've waited this long. So why not wait longer <laughs> for what I yeah. really want or for what God really has? Like I think um we do see a lot of people like people are, I see friends buying houses. I see people doing this and doing that. And I'm just like, Oh, I should be ready. Or why aren't I there? And it's just like, why do you need to be? <laughs> and true. like, or it's just not right, the right time. Like, why would I buy a house in this economy right now? <laughs> Let's wait for the recession. <laughs> like, it's just certain things that you got to think about. Like, and even like, I don't like doing maintenance and none of that. Like, it's just certain factors you got to take into account. The other thing that you mentioned, spiritual insecurity, like, that is, that is like, a big thing like you see people and you're like wow they're a really good prayer warrior why don't I pray like that or like I don't know like sometimes I do I feel like I'm a lazy Christian (laughs) like we were talking while we were on the girls trip and like it's I'm getting to a place now where like devotionals are kind of getting annoying like boring to me and but there was but but knowing myself I should still do devotionals because if I don't do devotionals, I'm probably not going to do nothing. So, like, I don't know. Like, you have to pace yourself and know yourself and um, just go deeper that way. But the last point I wrote down was monotony. And I wanted to ask, how do you deal with the monotony of being? When your Christian walk just feels monotonous, it just feels like, I'm going to church. I'm going to Bible study. I'm reading the word. I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel like nothing is happening. I don't feel like there's been a major move of God. I don't have an amazing blessing lined up. Like, it's just, I'm just day to day, just doing this. How do you deal with that? Um, It's hard to deal with that because you wish to, you wish that you could find escape in praying, but tis where you are right and so it's, it's it's a little bit tough to deal with that and i think that's why you, it's so important for us to have spiritual mentors as we develop in our spiritual walk because i think this is an opportunity to you know tap the shoulder of a of somebody of a spirit spiritual mentor and be able to say hey like this is what i'm feeling this is what i'm going through because i've been there and, and i find myself there now you know it's like mm. You know, I don't know necessarily enough. I feel myself growing, you know, because I don't necessarily consider myself taking on task at church growing, you know, right. like it's a part of growth, but you know, like it's, it's church work, like it's church work. Right. And so, but you want to see yourself grow. You want to see yourself growing God. You want to see yourself get to, you know, the blessing, whatever things that you've been praying and crying out to God for. Um, and it becomes rough when it feels like, you know, it's becoming like, because it's some, you know, every day is not going to be a good day. Um, but God is still good, even on your worst day. Let's just establish that. 
But every day is not going to be a good day. And on those days, it's not a good day. You feel like, okay, like, Lord, like, and I just this week, I was in this, in that boat, like, Lord, like, I, I go to church, I pay tithes, I pay offering, I do everything I'm asked, I, you know, I'm in my word, I pray, like, why am I experiencing this? You know, where is the blessing? Where is, you know, this, that, and the third? And sometimes the Lord will reveal to you certain things just like i was in my office at work today and the lord revealed something very clear to me today and not gonna really necessarily say out loud what it was but sometimes you know there are certain things where god has us in these monotonous positions and these alone positions and stuff like that because if we can because i think sometimes if we're not careful we'll make god a conditional god like we'll make God into, you know, it's this love that we have for him. We become conditional. I love you because you have blessed me with the house and the car. So I'm going to continue to come to Bible study and read my word. And, you know, because you have blessed me to have the gift of, you know, preaching, you know, so I'm, I, I feel like I definitely got to come and be in my word and stuff. But right. what if God never gives you any of that? What if God never blesses you with any of those things? Are you still able to still have that same dedication to him? And so I think, you know, we have to be very careful, you know, when it become monotonous because it can be a disservice to God because we will allow ourselves to become a, you know, it, our love for God will become conditional. And he gave his life for us on an unconditional basis because he did not deserve. We deserved all of that. And so um, I think that's the thing we have to think about and just know that like when you, you know, you belong to, you may never, ever, you know, reach, you know, status in life. You know, I might never get PhD behind my name as bad as I want PhD behind my name. I might not ever get PhD behind my name. I might not ever be able to open a three story, you know, men's clothing store in, in New York or Washington, D.C. I might not ever move into that two story home, but you know, as long as I know that, you know, I have lived my life according to the way, um, according to the word of God and have dedicated my life to that, that right there should be enough for me to continue to go on and to, you know, walk this walk, even if I walk it alone and, and I drag myself walking, you know, and it should be enough right there. And it it's, it doesn't become discouraging. It does. But just know, even if you don't become that minister, you don't become that preacher. We're still all ministers of Jesus Christ. We're still we still have the golden opportunity while the rapture has not taken place. to Tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. And that should be one of the greatest joys that we have in this walk with Christ is being able to share this same guy with other people and build the kingdom. I'm all about that. And so um, to your question, what do you do? It's it's hard to say what to do um, when you start to feel it, because like I said, I've, I've started to feel like that now. And it's like, Lord, like, you know, why, why do I continue to do this? Like, why do I continue to, you know, like get up early on Sunday morning or, you know, sacrifice my nights for praise team rehearsal and then you know fly over go over here for this that and the third like why you know i've I've spent so much of my time i entered and i've it's yielded me nothing because i'm still sitting in my same pew you know and i feel like i have not you know reached anywhere and sometimes we are so caught up on our own timeline and miss the timeline god has for us so um, yeah 
I, there are a couple of things you said that I think are helpful. Um, cause like I said, I, uh, I struggle with monotony a lot sometimes, <laughs> but I, and I, I think the question is, what do you expect or where do you expect to be? Um, you were talking about the goals that you have for yourself, getting a PhD, getting a store in DC. I like that. <laughs> a two-story house. And we create these expectations that we have in the world about what we want. And we drive towards that. I know since I was a kid that I wanted to be an attorney. And so I worked towards that goal until I became one. And I think we don't create those same expectations, spiritual expectations. What are your spiritual expectations? Where do you want to be in Christ? What kind of person do you want to be? I was talking to a friend and she was like, I want to be a prayer warrior. Seeing those mothers who used to be able to pray and like go ham. And she was like, it's stuff move and they shift. <laughs> like, she was like that, like that gave her, oof, like I want that. And so I think when we just think of our spiritual walk of like, I just want to make heaven. It should be a lot more than that. Like, okay, heaven is the ultimate goal, but what things do you want to see yourself be spiritually? How do you want to grow? Do you want to be a prayer warrior? Do you want to be able to minister to somebody on the street and do street ministry? Do you like, maybe you want to be able to heal. Like I want to be able to lay hands on the sick and recover. And I want to see that in my lifetime, or I want to see me able, I have a sickness that I want to overcome. How can I fix, do that? And you have to, if we set spiritual goals and we work towards them, even if something small, maybe, maybe, like I said, maybe it's hard for you to even just open your Bible once a day. So like starting something like that, where you set a goal or set an expectation and then trying to strive for it will automatically make life less monotonous because you find something to do. You're giving yourself purpose. When we don't have purpose and when we start to think that things are monotonous. Like, some, like I said, when like with my job now, I'm an attorney. But when I go in, if I don't have a case that's active or hot, I'm kind of like, ugh. But when we're heading to trial, I'm like, I'm excited to be at work because I have a goal. There's something I'm striving towards or something that we're trying to accomplish. And I think that we spiritually have to do that. We have to challenge ourselves. Look, Paul and Peter and all of them, they were dealing with persecution. They were dealing with being in prison and having to strive and still having to encourage these churches. They had a purpose. They had an expectation. They had something to drive them to accomplish these goals and to do miracles. People were sick and they wanted to fix it. And I think for us, we do become kind of um, complacent with the way things are. People are in the hospital and yes, God can heal, but you don't think you can go to the hospital and you can raise them up. Like we don't have, we don't put that expectation on God and therefore we don't put that expectation on ourselves to be used by him to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we refocus our monotony, um, and I'm talking to myself now, <laughs> but if we refocus, to me our, too. <laughs> we refocus our monotony, then maybe we wouldn't be so monotonous and maybe we can see this progress that we're trying to do or trying to see. And so that when, like that pastor said, bitter Naomi's 
are curious roofs coming to the house of God, they have something to they have something to see. They have something to want to emulate. Um, because if I come back to a church that's dead and dry, why would I want to be there? Um, we should, as the church, be making progress. No, we shouldn't be changing from our standard, but I do think we should be making progress and growing. Um, yeah, let's have revival. Like, and when we talk about revival, what do we mean by that? Cause I feel like people think of revival and they just like, oh, like I was slain on the floor. But revival means seeing the workings of God, like seeing the miracles, seeing all the stuff that we see, say in Acts 2.38 that we get with the Holy Ghost. Right. Like taking up serpents and recovering and like eating and drinking any deadly thing. Like those are things that we get with the Holy Ghost and we don't exercise it. But anyway. No, we really don't. I'm babbling. But no, what you were saying was good. <laughs> any last comments my closing comment is I, I hope people who listen um understand that don't feel be ashamed if you feel like your Christian rock is monotonous or you question sometimes is my living in vain and why do I do this because <laughs> like I said I I you're not the only person who's experienced that. Like uh, I said, like uh, there's certain times in my life where I am kind of tired of being holy. Sometimes I do want to get smart with people and get right with them. Sometimes, sometimes, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I like, I'm just like, I want to put on a rap. Like I want to be a little worldly and like, you know, it happens and sometimes I do it. <laughs> so, but there's certain things like, but I think again, we have to come to that moment with Job where when it feels like our flesh is telling us to just curse God and die, just give up. Why are we doing this? Like, I'm living this life of holiness for what? What is the outcome? Like, I see all my friends doing X, Y, and Z and getting away with it. Why shouldn't I be able to get away with it? Um, I see how they progressed in the world. And it seems like they're doing fine, not being in church and not being saved. So why should I be here? Because I feel like I'm stuck and I'm stagnant. Um, When we hit that moment, I think that um, that's a good time for us to challenge ourselves to repurpose our monotony in Christ and um, dig deeper. And like, what do we expect God to do? We have expectations in the world. We expect to want to have a family and have kids and blah, blah. But what expectations are we putting on Christ on our spiritual walk? Um, how we can perform that. But anyway, Mike. That is true. That any is so closing true. remarks? I think you hit the nail on the head, Sister Ron. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. And, and I think like, for me, you know, and you just said a while ago, like, and, and I, I've, I've hinted at it earlier, like, you know, for me, like this, this walk, sometimes it does get lonely. Like it gets lonely because you literally sometimes just want to um, 
you literally just want to be like, well, you know, I'm experiencing all of this loneliness in this walk. Like I'm starting to, you know, it's become monotonous, whatever. Like, Lord, what, what do you have for me to do? I feel like I'm not really getting anywhere. Not really, you know, going, you know, what am I, what am I really doing? It, it can become very easy to go ahead and just discourage your own self out of the will of God. Mm. It really can. Like you can easily be up one day and be like, you know what, like, Lord, like maybe this is not for me. Like maybe, you know, this is not what you have for me to do. And I, and, and, and I accept that. Um, but at the same time, we have to also understand that, you know, again, like, Living your life for Christ beats out living any other way that you, that you you know can think of. Like sometimes Worth we it. think we need all you know we we, we got to have this, we got to have that. Like yeah, we want we want to have. Like I, I feel like we do. We deserve. We work hard and stuff. We deserve to have. You know what what we want to have as far as the houses, the the cars, whatever else. Like okay, yes, we should go get those things. But at the same time, you know. Our walk with God is still very key and very and very important. Like it's still um it's still something that we should we should strive to still continue to live holy, still journey on into and 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 be the best child of God we can be. Um and I think it, it starts with, you know, it is not these big things that we do. We don't have to go and lay hands on the whole neighborhood. You know, you don't have to call a prayer meeting in your backyard. Right. You know, you don't have to do that. But, you know, what you can do is seek the Lord. Like, Lord, what, what do you have me doing in your kingdom? Like, what can I do? Where can I roll my sleeves up? How can I help my local church? You know, where can I, you know, help draw people in? Like, Lord, give me the confidence to go out and speak to people and invite them out to church. And, Lord, give me the resources to, you know, to give, you know, out, like, boxes of chicken to people in my community and tell them that our church is across the street, you know, like start there, you know, mm-hmm. and I think we always praying for Lord, anoint me to preach and anoint me to preach your word that I might preach it fresh and Lord anoint me to, you know, be the apostle of the house. And like, yeah, maybe one day if you get there, the Lord's, you know, like they said, the Lord shall tarry, you know, what the Lord delays is coming, you know, you, you may get there, but you know, what are ways that we can help, you know, build the kingdom and how we can have a hand in that. So I don't think anytime, I don't think our walk is ever in vain. Somebody is always watching. Somebody is always, you know, taking a peek. Somebody always looking from afar as to how you're reacting. Even though sometimes, like Ron said, we want to go ahead and, and snap back. And sometimes I do. I, I be at work, you know, somebody a per my last email me. And I had to per my last email and then send some screenshots back to them from when we had the original conversation, you know, but, you know, God ain't called us to do that. You know, sometimes, you know, we got to sometimes take, as Michelle Obama used to say, when they go low, we go high. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I want to go right low with you. But, um, you know, so it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not really worth it. You know, those times, you know, you want to, you know, you at your friend's house and they ask you, do you want a glass of wine? You want a glass of wine? And you, you have, you know, and like I said, there's some saints that, and I don't judge, you know, we, we're not a show that that's what you right. do, that's what you do, right. but you already had four or five sips I and mean, four or five glasses, four glasses of it. And you, you, you drunk, you can't hardly stand up, whatever you down for the count, you know? So, you know, I, I know sometimes we saints, we want to indulge, but you know, again, just think about the bigger picture here. 
And think about that your living should never be in vain. God has a purpose for us all. Right. And my last thing is peace is boring. But peace is peace. Peace is peace. That's the difference. Peace is boring, but peace is peace. It's not chaos. And you can look at somebody's chaos and say, oh, that is exciting. It looks fun. But chaos is chaos. I had to come to that because I, I was talking about what study to my pastor. And like, I just be sitting in my house and sometimes I do. I just feel bored. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just like, I just need to shake up life. I need to do something to shake it up a little bit. And you want to do something real crazy and drastic and ridiculous. You do. Yeah. Yeah. But there I are consequences it. to every action. There is. And every little thing that you fill your time with is going to be accounted for. And there's going to be something that comes from it. And so peace begets more peace. Chaos begets more chaos. So yes, peace is boring. But again, peace is peace. Um, so thank you guys for that. Thank you, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> uh, music ministry. <laughs> praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, we're going to now head into our music ministry. Sister Ron, what have you been listening to this week that has blessed your spirit, blessed your soul? Mm. Maverick City has their kingdom with the collab with Kirk. So I feel like I've been going back in like saying actually that I need to take back what I say about things. Mm-hmm. I still stand on the fact that their collab album was not that great, but Kingdom Book 2 the second part of the album is better. And Kingdom Book 2 is basically Kurt's songs that features Maverick City, which I like better. So um, I Am is one of the songs that I like from the album. So we're going to put a little bit of that. He's the way, the truth, and the light. The stars shining in your night. He's the one with the master plan He is the great I am So obviously like it sounds like a reverbed or like darkened voice of Kurt Franklin singing and it gives me hero vibes it gives me um what's the song I could take a plane five in the sky fly four million miles it gives me that but like a darker sound a slower sound um but I enjoyed that song. Also, Dietrich Haddon has made his way back into my playlist. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, but I don't know. I've been thinking like um I was on like a like a slow worship period. So well done by Dietrich Haddon. You guys know he likes to take songs and kind of like just do his little whatever he yeah. does. But well done what like spoke to me this week. Just wanna make it to heaven. I just wanna make it in. Oh, I just wanna cross the river. I want to be free from sin. So at my funeral, take note of this mic. At my funeral, I want well done 
and this version and then Tad Trip is well done. Into oh, wow. Wow. I want that to be played at my funeral. Or, well, Tad Trip is can be sang by choir. I think somebody can do that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't can know. do that. All right, all right. We'll put a choir together for you. Yeah, you got to put a choir together, you know. We'll put a choir <laughs> together for you. Make sure y'all bring the house down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what's your song this week, Mike? Um, I want to take it back a little bit to about six or seven years ago. Um, but I want to play this song. It's originally by uh, the GEI, which is the um, Great Emanuel Institution. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't think tonight. Uh, featuring Kiara Sheard. Um, but I want to play the Spirit and Truth version. Anybody that knows um, what Spirit and Truth is, it is uh, Elder Mark Moore. I watch their praise and worship every Sunday morning because it's just really good. Yeah. Uh, so here it is um, Hang On by Spirit and Truth wor- uh, praise and worship team. So yeah, that was Hang On In There by the um, Spirit and Truth praise team. Um, I couldn't play the whole version up here, but if you go on YouTube, please listen to it. The way they kind of remix it up is crazy. If you're doing that, that thank you, Lord. Yeah, That was a good remix. We're, we're um, singing that one at um, our church. Okay. I just want to. Yeah. Yes. Um, the next song I want to play is... Try the man I know him's an old Clark Sisters classic. Yeah. Um, remixed by Marquin Middleton and the Miracle Chorale. Here we oh. go. just listen to this i just um i can hear whether it's one of the sopranos yeah um, <laughs> soprano. 
Uh, so that was I tried him and I know him. Um, last song I want to play is a newer song. It's called "I Love the Lord" by Terrence J. Dooley. Just came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, anybody remember when choirs used to march in? Yes, in the nineties, specifically the nineties. This gives you nineties Sunday morning marching. Here it goes. <laughs> So yeah, that was Terrence J. Dooley. I love the Lord. Pretty simple to take. That's the choir. A nice little opener there. Um, our clip of the week, we're going to take it back <clears throat> to 2014, I think, um, when Opal, forgot her last name, was running for uh, some kind of political office in her town, and she lost against this guy. Uh, I just want us to just monitor and listen to the exchange between the two. Here goes. The people will see it. All right. The people will see it. Fair enough. I rebuke you and I curse that evil spirit within you that what you have done to destroy me this morning shall destroy you. I speak in tongues against you. You are an evil man. And you. That's God speaking against you. You're coming up against me. Okay, I think when I say unto thee, thou shalt not prosper. All right, I thou shalt not prosper, and the Lord shall come forth. Okay. Yeah. Um. It's that old emo way. Oh. Oh. So next time, you know, when the saints sweetly, you know, cuss you out. That's what happens. Thou shalt not prosper. Thou shalt not prosper. Service is now back into the hands of Sister Ron. Amen. Um, so any praise reports per request. Um final remarks. I do have one final remark. Um, I don't know how many young millennials like or younger people generation was this generation z gen z mm-hmm. listen to this show um i just want to give you guys a piece of advice um in the job that i work in i get a lot of different emails about did you receive my application you know uh i i just filled out the application uh could you check it for me blah 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 great i love it because i love when people are jumping up and down to work right and and to for a job with that said, please do not email me grand rising. Did you receive my application or I just finished my application? Please don't. Please use proper 
greetings when you are sending professional correspondences. Because I received an email this morning that, that started off with grand rising. Mm-mm. And I was disturbed. So I want to admonish everyone under the sound of my voice. If, you, if you're looking for a job, you know, if you got to fill out an application, you know, just a piece of advice, please use proper greetings like hello, good morning, to whom this may concern. Yikes. Do we need to teach the basics again? Do we need to have? We might need to because these emails I've been getting this week. Please. And I'm going to say this with all of my heart. Do not draft. And I know like it's out of convenience, but try to open a laptop or something when you draft an email. Do not use your phone because it makes it very easy for you to make a mistake and to write like you text. And you don't want to do that. You want to make a separation because the amount of emails I've seen of people writing things and I'm like, this is not known. And we, I'm going to say in my field, we make fun of people when their emails are messed up. So don't do that. (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't. Don't do it to yourself. Amen. So uh, let's take heed saints. No grand risings. So we're, not biscuits. Say, huh? <laughs> we're not biscuits. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Okay. I'm going to say that today on my status. Like, we're not biscuits. <laughs> we're not biscuits. <laughs> I love that. Pillsbury Doughboy. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So uh, let the words of my mouth. The words of my mouth. And the meditation of my heart. And the meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in thy sight. Be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. My strength. My strength. And my redeemer. And my redeemer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And saints, remember your living is not in vain. Love somebody. My life was church and all it. I'm a pew baby.